RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. You are all witnesses, and it's time to give your testimony. Step up and speak only the truth. Even if you don't know it, you can make up the parts where there are gaps in your knowledge. It's 7 p.m. Pacific. It's Monday night. It's Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. It's time to pick up the Horde of Candor and give us a call. And please note, you do not need an actual Horde of Candor, although it would be much appreciated. You can just click on the Zoom meeting link or use one tap from your smartphone because you're smart. Either way, make sure that you use the meeting code and type in the passcode that you'll see on the screen. Yeah, so uh, maybe you've been on a secret mission or two. Uh, now is the time to give us a call and talk to us about that or about Laura Dex, episode eight, Veritas, the one where uh, the one where people are on trial. Ooh, but spoiler, not really a trial. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Ashley? Welcome to the show. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I think my uh, I think my space cat is imminently going to walk across the background. So for everyone who's not tuning into the podcast, famously a visual medium, check that out. Yes. How are you doing, John? Doing okay. Interesting day. You know, uh, the office is mostly empty still. So, um, you know, have just a free run of the place to uh, run around and, and uh, be very respectful and not do anything that I wouldn't normally do if it were full of people. So yeah, that's uh, I'm I'm a very respectful person in that uh, in that way. Totally not <laughs> claiming things for your own. Nope, nope, not at all. Not no, just, I just imagine you running away with teeny tiny spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> that and uh, and well, and since you've uh, last been here, we we now have uh, the Klingon costume and uh, a Vulcan yeah. costume and a, a Discovery crew uniform that one day. I'll have to find out if it fits. I want that white medical uniform, though. Yes. That's the one I want. Yes, yes. All the so, cosplay possibilities. Yes, exactly. Well, hey, uh, uh, welcome to everybody who's joining us tonight live on a Monday night. So many people dropped into the chat right away. There's Lou, there's Chris, there's Rebecca, there's Paul, just the first of many Pauls for the night. Uh, there's Dominic, there's, um, oh, interesting. So Dominic says, I'm so excited for this one. I just gave it a 10 on IMDb, my favorite lower deck so far. Uh, Dominic, first of all, I'd love to get some details on that, hear why, and also uh, good for you for dropping in and, uh, and giving it uh, a good review there. Um, let's see here. Uh, Michael, all right, so we'll get to the poll in just a minute. Michael says that uh, he's not participating in the poll only because he's not on Twitter, but I did post a poll on Twitter. He says that his response, though, is Q. So we will get back to that in just a moment. Um, and then uh, there's Tate. There's uh, there's James. There's he says, howdy. Wow. This episode was full of callbacks. Yes, James. <laughs> yes, that is all the episodes of Lower Decks, I believe. There's Chuck. Good to see you, Chuck. A uh, friend who I have not seen in quite a while. There's Matthew. Uh, Paul. Uh, Paul says, hello, John C. and Ashley V. And uh, yeah, there's John. John Cooley right off the bat. Good. Good to see you. So we don't have to wait for Casey to come in and yell to Cooley. So that is very good. Oh, and Chris gives a shout out to Earl and maybe Q? Question mark? We don't know. Yeah. So anyway, great to see everyone. So glad that you're here. And I do hope that you call in. We had great callers last week, some new callers. Um, Now is the time to jump in. Earl will greet you 
pleasantly and politely as he always does. And then he will patch you in to the two of us. And then we'll, uh, we'll talk lower decks. Yeah. It'll be great. It will be. It will be. That's what we do. Hey, um, not a whole lot coming up, but I do want to let you know that uh, tomorrow night, that would be Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, Rod Roddenberry and I will be in our Sansar space, the Roddenberry Nexus in Sansar. Now, here's the deal. It, it is our excuse to give away the, uh, or to announce the winners. I'll say give away the prizes, but we can't because it's virtual. It's we'll so be in. All right. We'll be announcing the winners of the uh, Roddenberry Recovery Mission Scavenger Hunt. But honestly, that that's about 30 seconds of the whole thing. Really, it's just we get to go hang out in VR and chat and just do stuff. So if you have signed up, if you've been playing the game, great. If you haven't, if you've never signed up, do it. I, literally, all you need is a PC running Windows 7 or higher. I know a lot of us are Mac users, but yes, I, I, yeah. Lower, yeah, I lower myself <laughs> to use a PC every now and then. I'm not proud. And, uh, <laughs> and go into VR. And, um, oh, we're not going to fight, are we? Is that, is that no? Okay. <laughs> I just uh, thought that was really fun. <laughs> so uh, also to Mac. <laughs> yeah okay all right uh but come join us and it'll be nice we'll just we'll, we'll hang out in vr and uh and yeah we'll it'll, it'll be lovely you'll get to see the roddenberry museum in vr um hey i mentioned the poll before we get to the recap here yes. we of course have our poll question yay to the return of the mission log live poll now, last week, I'll just I'll zip through this because we we've got new categories here, uh, which I'll have you present, Ashley. Uh, last week, we asked you, uh, we gave you three options for Star Trek's most disturbing dog, and I leave disturbing just very much up to interpretation. You know, it could be disturbing yeah. to you for any number of reasons, right? And we asked you, was it uh, Tendi's Lovecraftian nightmare of a dog, aka the dog, uh, Aquiel's weird jello dog, or the dog in a unicorn costume, famously from uh, The Enemy Within on uh, TOS. Now, uh, Tendi's Lovecraftian Nightmare got 30%, Aquiel's weird jello dog got 19%, and the winner, dog in a unicorn costume with 51%. I'm. I'm... <laughs> what, what, you have feelings? Yeah. I'm just perplexed by this. And I suppose, yeah. as you say, disturbing is definitely uh, in the eye of the beholder. It mm -hmm. is up to your own personal taste. And maybe it's disturbing because that dog is obviously in discomfort. Maybe it's disturbing yes. because that dog is super dead now. <laughs> but honestly, of all the options, it might be the cutest dog. So I'm shocked to see that it is fully leading the pack you, you might well first of all yes i think you can detect the sadness on its face in yeah. every scene <laughs> uh, but but just imagine so you know you know dogs dogs lives are clearly relatively short compared mm -hmm. to humans and uh, you know primates uh, but i imagine that that dog maybe has a very proud lineage and to this day <laughs> there is somebody in la with a fuzzy little dog that can say this dog's seventh great grandfather played the dog in the unicorn costume do you think that TOS. dog benefits from nepotism and is like booking target commercials left and right probably so <laughs> if there's any justice in the universe yes and and i want to go on a tour of paramount with that dog yes 100 so. percent. also uh co-led by 
friend of the pod, Adam Drewson. <laughs> yes, that, that would be. Oh, Adam, what's up, man? All right. So uh, this week we have a new poll question. I gave four options this week. So Ashley, if you want to uh, knock through those for yes. us. Yes. So this week, John asked, what is your favorite guest appearance on this week's Lower Decks? Because, oh boy, is this an Easter egg heavy episode. The Salt Vampire Q, the Vulcan shuttle, or Workbee. And like last week, the leader of the pack is has really pulled ahead by a lot this oh, week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Salt Vampire, 13.8. Q, 72.5%. Yeah. Vulcan shuttle, 13. Now, here's the thing. The Workbee from Star Trek, the motion picture, mm-hmm. is only in a like a single split second wide shot of that museum way up in the upper right hand corner and if you blink it'll go away that is my personal favorite guest appearance so i'm gonna go in there i'm gonna create a bunch of twitter accounts fake twitter accounts <laughs> just so i can artificially inflate the numbers there Do it. Um, now I, I don't know if you've noticed this so i i was talking to earl about this before mm-hmm. the show and if you freeze frame on cbs.com the show just disappears it just goes away yeah. to like a little corner thumbnail and that's no help and it's um, like don't you want to watch discovery and you're like yeah but not right now no right <laughs> i just i want to freeze frame on the thing that i want to see there and there are so many shots uh, particularly in that museum that i wanted to freeze frame but then couldn't because it would go away i finally found an image on the internet that somebody had grabbed nice. and i love this in that same shot where the work bee is in the upper right hand corner mm-hmm. and you see the nose of a Klingon D7 kind of in the middle, right in front of that, the monolith from 2001. Nice. <laughs> so that, nice. that probably should have made the list. That is a great yeah, Not strictly speaking Star Trek. <laughs> true, true. But somebody was watching out for it. Um, Hey, we do have a couple of callers standing by already, but there is room if you want to jump in. You know what to do. Click on the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap or call us 669-900-6833. There's only one Paul standing by right now. So there's room for more Pauls tonight. Uh, Give us a call and we'll be uh, on with you in a GIF talking about the show. But before we get to that, uh, how about I recap the story? How about it? I'll get to it then. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Today's show, Veritas. On the scary-looking planet Ketuvan Prime is a scary-looking holding cell. Our Lower Decks crewmates are scared. They don't know why they're here or what they did or what kind of punishment awaits, and they'll have to wait until the end of the credits to find out. Now ushered into what looks like a council hall or high court, Mariner, Boimler, Rutherford, and Tendi are intimidated into speaking the truth into the horn of candor about their senior crewmates who are all transfixed in a kind of suspension beam. The interrogator is tough, green alien who barks out his orders, and it's Mariner who has to go first, recounting the events of the stardate on which the Cerritos encountered a Clickett ship and nearly caused a catastrophic interspecies event. The Clicketts had given over a map of the neutral zone to Captain Freeman, but the show of gratitude for receiving it somehow went grossly misunderstood. Things escalated way out of proportion, leading Mariner to fire a warning shot not what she was supposed to do. The interrogator interrupts Mariner's story. He just wants to know what happened to the map, but she doesn't know, really. Her part of the story ends there, but she's threatened with punishment by being suspended over a tank of eels. 
Next up to the stand is Rutherford, who recounts the story from a different day. He was recruited by Shacks and Billups for a top secret mission that relied on the technology of his implant, notably repairing and flying a Romulan bird of prey, the old school kind with that badass paint job. While Rutherford was downloading the specs, though, the mission started and he found himself waking up and blacking out at every step while his cybernetic system rebooted. Nerf-pinching Vulcans on a shuttle, fan-dancing to distract the guard of a starship, museum, uh, stealing the bird of prey, and warping away to a Gorn wedding by accident. But he barely remembers any of it since his implant kept flaking out. Rutherford's time is up, and his testimony has no pertinent information about the bird of prey, so off to the eel tank, where he is suspended along with Mariner. Next up, it's Tendi, who recalls a day that she was taken on a top-secret mission by Commander Ransom when she was mistaken for the Cleaner, part of a ragtag special ops group. Their mission was to infiltrate the Romulan homeworld and extract a package, which they do, and Tendi, even though she's not the Cleaner, totally saves the day by kicking some Romulan butt, then gets back to cleaning the conference room since that was her real assignment there all along. The interrogator is indignant. He can't believe that's her story, that she was clueless and in the wrong place at the right time. Off to the eel tank with Mariner and Rutherford. Now it's Boimler's turn. He tells the interrogator that they're all lower decks. They have no idea most of the time of what's going on. Their senior officers sometimes don't either. Cue the flashbacks to Tiana getting on the wrong ship to Ransom almost hooking up with a salt vampire, and Q, Q the flashback to Q. The interrogator can't believe what he's hearing, that not every single person who comes from Starfleet is an infallible hero. But Boimler gives an impassioned speech defending the strengths and foibles of his own crew. As explorers, it's okay if they screw up from time to time. They're learning, and he won't stand by this sham trial anymore. What trial? The interrogator says this is a party room, and he's there to celebrate with the crew of the Cerritos since they rescued him, Imperial Magistrate Clar, the package that was captured by the Romulans. The Lower Decks crew are outraged. This looks like a trial, and they were threatened with eels. Eh, it's just local alien custom, and they ruined it. Back on the Cerritos, Captain Freeman says her ensigns may have created an incident but they should be commended for defending Starfleet and their seniors. From now on, a new policy of open communication will take place so everyone knows what's happening all the time, which means the questions start. Why did they capture the magistrate anyway? Where'd the bird of prey come from? Why was the Cerritos assigned to this mission? And on and on and on. And just like that, the new policy ends. The end. Oh, well, Ashley, any uh, before we get to our calls, any any favorite uh, call outs or moments, references, furious, quick furious impressions? Oh, uh, yeah. The well thank you, thank you. I think I, I think I managed that with great aplomb. Yeah. Uh, for me, the the biggest Easter egg, the most exciting thing, and I know people are going to scream because I'm not saying Q uh, is Kurtwood Smith. He is. Uh. Such an icon in Trek, such an icon in the industry, and instantly recognizable. I mean, so good. I I don't know what alien he's playing, although I think we've yeah. seen these aliens throughout Lower Decks, but he is just a gift. And then 
the sort of expected twist at the end because it's a comedy, I think still plays really, really well. So for me, that was very exciting. And then the vague reference to Cisco's restaurant got the type of food that they made wrong. But Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, they made Creole food, not comfort mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. But I think Robert Hewitt Wolf actually tweeted that the day the episode dropped. And he was like, oh, no way. still respect, so happy to be mentioned. But actually, <laughs> they made Creole food. Uh, as a Deep Space Nine fan, those were, I was like, yay, so excited. That's awesome. Very yeah. cool. What about you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, so many good references. I, I, I love, well, I mean, just the fact that uh, that Rutherford is doing the fan dance. Like, so good. Like the, and the not even well. <laughs> not well at all. But and, and I like that the guard then calls him out like, you're distracting me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like every now and then, uh, because I, I, I would, look, I, there's still stylistic and dialogue problems that I have with the show. I'll, I'll save that more kind of for mm-hmm. the end of this episode. Um, but when they nail a joke or they nail a style, oh my God, just absolutely hilarious. I think one of the funniest things in this episode was during Tendi's sequence mm-hmm. that they kept purposely messing up the censored bleep. The that we're going down to the ro- bomb key, yeah. <laughs> yes, I love that because I mean the, the show will curse, and of course your mm-hmm. mind is filling in the blanks always uh, about what that is. But the fact that they just absolutely leaned into it. And had the actors sort of break their words, break their syllables up so they could throw in an errant, completely incorrect censored bleep. Wonderful. Wonderful. I, uh, the, the moment where you're distracting me, that always reminds me of in Futurama when the robot devil says, you can't just have your characters say what they feel. That makes me feel angry. Like it gave me big <laughs> yes. robot devil vibes, which I'm very yes. here for. <laughs> nice. Very good. Well, hey, let's get to our first caller. And let's. those of you who are standing by, thank you for your patience. We will be with you momentarily. Uh, but let's welcome the Vice Admiral to the show. Welcome. There he is. John, Ashley, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Other than the rain, I think it's you know. Send some our way. Yeah. Well, yes, is, I know. I wish the, I could. The, the the wet stuff that comes from the sky because magical sky water. Yeah, <laughs> the entire eastern that. side of the country is going to get some of this, but uh, not you guys. Apparently. Oh, yeah. We need it. Yeah. True. Anyway, other than that, other than that, <laughs> uh, how are things going? And uh, how'd you feel about the episode this week? Oh, it was great. Well, I definitely uh, loved all the same things you did. Uh, love all the ships. Love all the the and the monolith. Of course, was amazing. Um, <laughs> but but speaking of the ships, John, do we now know perhaps where our uh, renegade warlord in Picard got his? Bird of Prey. Got his Bird of Prey. So, you know, that's funny. They never really answer in this episode where they went to get that ship. You know, they're that on a Out of shuttle. continuity, wrong version of the Bird of Prey. Wait, it's out of continuity in the wrong I version? I believe this is the... Because uh, this takes place in after the movies, so I think this is the old model Bird of Prey. I think this is an incorrect to the timeline bird of prey because uh i look at a lot of people's breakdowns and there's like squabbling online about whether or not this is the correct time period appropriate bird of prey well but it's from a museum it's 100 years old that that, that's that's the one true which means we can do whatever we want we do whatever we want that's uh, (laughs) that's what i say yeah and and when they get done with it i'm sure they just you know leave it lying about 
<laughs> right, right. But so here's the thing, you know, they were in that Vulcan shuttle and they they knock out the Vulcans and we see them in their Spock undies. and Spock. Spock and <laughs> Spock, very cute. Uh, oh, by the way, the call out to 50 foot Spock. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. That was the ultimate cool. Vulcan. Yes. <laughs> right. But um, but we don't know, like, what the path was of that ship. All we know is that suddenly they're in a museum on a planet somewhere, and there's all this stuff. There's the, the Vulcan lander from First Contact. There's the Romulan bird of prey, the early Romulan bird of yeah. prey. There's a Klingon D7. There's a work bee. Uh, there, there's a bunch of other stuff in there. But we actually don't know where it is, but it was being guarded by a Starfleet guard because he's got that goofy helmet with the Starfleet logo in it. Yep, movie so, period helmet. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So Starfleet protected somewhere, but we don't know where. It's just lying about. Oh, it's probably yeah. on a moon somewhere, you know, that hasn't blown yeah. up yet. Yeah, space right. is vast. <laughs> space is big. They got plenty of space to put stuff. Uh, Tate says they got it from the Romulan bird of prey are us. I wish that that, that <laughs> was a thing because I love that ship and and I would uh, I would love to get it. Yeah. When I was so, a kid, there was a ma- a little magazine that came from um, Ravel, the model company. Yeah. And every every issue they would they would. The conceit was that they would take models they had built, and as long as they built them well, they would blow up into the real size things, and they could use them. Nice. The, their enemies, of course, built them very shoddily, and their stuff fell apart all the time. So, right. right. So this could have been a kit that somebody blew up, right? It could have been. Right. Right. <laughs> a Raymond, uh, probably. Yeah. Yes. Oh. I, I, <laughs> I love, see, that That was another great line. Just uh, to, the only lines of dialogue you get out of some Romulans, and it's just like, oh, Remans. Oh, I hate ne- Nemesis those guys. was and, the first Trek movie I ever saw. So, like, Remans hold a very special place in my was heart. It really? Yeah, wow, my mom okay. rented it for me from the library. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I know Amazing. it's not good, but I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. That's, uh, no, but wait, uh, so we've never had this discussion because that's awesome to me that people discovered different things as their mm-hmm. first trek and I, and I love asking people you know some people like discovery is their first star trek or yeah. the jj abrams movies is their first star trek that is awesome that nemesis was yours and uh, sorry to sidetrack us yeah did you go from there backwards to tng or did you find ds9 because i know so i've been watching the shows because they were on spike tv the network for men so i would come yes. home from school and it would be like tos tng ds9 voyager and then new episodes of enterprise were airing and Got my mom it. was it was probably the only trek movie that she could find and she came home and was like i found this and i was like wow Dude's Tom Hardy, and uh, it's my all abiding crush on him has sustained from there. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, what else, okay. Vice Admiral? Any uh, any other observations or questions oh, or thoughts? About I, I, I did like the fact that you had the entire senior staff prepared and uh, and commending our our mm. lower decks folks for their actions in this episode, even though they got it wrong. Right. But, you know, they were at least if for a moment there, they were very much, you know, all one big happy uh, crew, right? Did, did you think, because when they, we cut to that, I thought they were going to get promotions or, or something. But it was just no, like, it was just a verbal pat on the back. Good job. Yeah, you, you know, know. Yeah. a nice thing to put in your file for later. And in Boimler's case, having on his resume isn't bad. Right. Do we think, we're, though, we're going to get any lasting promotions before the end of this season? I think that's the earliest that anyone can sort of be shuffled along. I don't yeah, think so. 
Yeah, because that then, like, if you actually promoted something, how do you maintain that that group cohesion, that group dynamic? I guess you make working really well. You make it'll be Boimler. You make Boimler their boss, I guess, and then you have the episode where he's power hungry, and they have to bring him back down to earth. (laughs) That that would work well, I think, for him. It may not last more than an episode or two, but I think that's something we can see. Who, who's most deserving, though? Is it Boimler who is deserving, or well, is it Rutherford or Tendi? I mean, Tendi's probably, and I, I, I hate to say it, she is the greenest of the group. But <laughs> how dare I, you? I'm sorry. I'm how sorry. I'm sorry. Barry. It popped into my head. You had to go there. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, but like Rutherford is very capable, and mm-hmm. it, you know, he just uh, obviously has some technical problems every now and then um good but, gag uh, very good gag i thought in this episode oh that was so funny <laughs> reminded me of was... college i was like yeah that's how memories work right you just <laughs> right. black out every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> um and, and i wonder where either of you left with this sort of you know was it a very star trek message that at the end you have everybody saying and the, and the captain rightfully saying yeah we can't keep secrets from each other and then it just completely backfires and in 20 seconds that is rescinded everybody out it was that a i mean <laughs> yeah. is that an anti-star trek message to hear like no we have to keep secrets or else uh, well you I know, think we, a, go ahead i was okay. just saying a world of evil admirals it yes. does uh-huh. seem rather par for the course, right? Okay, right, right, yes. <laughs> and if we go with our you know, thoughts from a few episodes ago that maybe all of the Bamrels come out of the California class, that would be... Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, God, oh, and I love the scene on the, uh, the Alhambra uh, with the, the sort of yes. crew. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like the California jokes are for such a narrow audience. Yes. Like, it's like the Californians joke in SNL. I'm like, who is this for really, if not just me? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but here's the thing, like, not only was it a good visual gag to have all of those characters who mm-hmm. are, are revealed, you know, to look like our, our crew, uh, but I just think Tiana it, they, they're using her the exact amount. You can't overuse Tiana mm-hmm. because every time she's in the scene, she has the most droll, sarcastic reply to everything. <laughs> yeah. And I love it. I love, like, please don't ever change Tiana. Right. You know, she's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So she, and she was the perfect one to have that experience. Absolutely. Uh, what, what else, uh, Vice Admiral? Uh, oh, that's, you know, that's most of it. Have you, uh, what was I going to say? You looked through the rest of the uh, uh, Star Trek Day stuff. Did you have a chance to do that? No, I haven't. And I'm kicking myself because, I, I, again, people say that, like, the um, Strange New Worlds panel is great. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, I have to. I know. I know You're going to have to do a supplemental on it at some point. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, we'll talk. We'll figure it out. We'll, uh, we'll do something. So, anyway, yeah. Well, thanks for calling in. As always, good to see you both and uh, see you again as we get to the end of this. Indeed. Yeah. Yes, oh, it's sir. coming up. It's yeah. coming up. All right. All right, Take guys. Have a great now. night. Stay safe. All right. You too. Enjoy the rain. <laughs> yeah. Wish I could send some. Tell yeah. us what it's like, please. Yeah. I know. The magic sky water. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, standing by, now we go to Paul. Paul, how are you tonight? Hey, John. We're great. How are you? Excellent. Doing My well. first Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> I, I, 
Oh, that's so funny. I'm, I'm not going to say, I can't say anything. That is just too funny. We'll just leave uh, it. We'll just leave it. Yeah, out we'll leave it there. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Um, so I, I got to open up the, the, the cold open of this with um, Tendi, right? Talking about ice. Did they, did they, did they use too much ice? And then they came back to her. It's like, oh, I know maybe they used too much ice. Has it, have you, either of you ever felt that way about something when you saw some people in trouble? It's like, it's this ultimate neurosis. And I was, I was hooked immediately. <laughs> it That's- gave me big, like, oh, you're the smart girl in school vibes where you're like, is it because I filled in that one circle on the test improper? Like she couldn't imagine a real right. uh, inappropriate action that would warrant this level of consequence. Right. Exactly. Also, right. are, is ice and is water scarce? For the Orions, I like. I don't know enough about Orion culture to be like, oh, is ice something that she is reasonably obsessed with? The way, like, as a white lady, like, I love Japanese snacks because we don't have them as much in North America. Like, is ice really exotic for an Orion? Maybe (laughs) it could be. It could very well be. Someone knows, and someone will tell me. Yeah, yeah. It was such a great opening. I mean, it was just it just grabbed me and said, wow, you know. And all of a sudden, I realized. I like this show. I mean, the first couple were just so frenetic. It just yes. drove drove us crazy. It's like, are we going to watch this? It's like, can we can we handle it? Because you know, as we move on in age, you just sort of go, "Wow, what am I? Why is this so different to me? Am I that That's much older?" That's how I feel about TikTok. I, I can't even I can't even spell it. <laughs> um, so the other thing immediately, and I saw this in the chats, uh, was the crazy Ivan shout out to Firefly. Yes. That was oh, awesome. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Firefly? In my head, Crazy Ivan is from The Hunt for Red October. That's Is it from the, tr- the original pilot or the one that Fox aired as the pilot? But they do it in one of the very early episodes of Did they? Firefly to sort of illustrate like, oh, Wash is as awesome as he says he is. So Wash has been reading Michael Crichton. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, whoever wrote, no yeah, whoever wrote Firefly, Crazy Ivan is the crazy spaceship maneuver. Um, yeah. And and not have not having read, uh, I'm not there yet. I'm hooked on Neil Gaiman right now. But um, <laughs> are you yeah, listening so, to? Uh, wait, a sidebar. Are you listening to Sandman? Um, I'm not into the comics yet. Just got done with American Gods and and oh. and hooked on Good Omens. Oh my God, it's so good. Oh, good Omens, yeah. Good Omens, yeah. So, um, anyway, so we'll go down my list here. Um, did did either of you notice that the standees are now available? The lower deck standees? No, no really. Yeah, I'm looking from Star them up Drek, right now. StarTrekCon.com <laughs> sent me a message. The lower deck standees are available. So check those that's out that's fun oh uh, let's see I, I gotta shout oh, out to the fan dance plan C. thank you by the way carl anyway yes yeah <laughs> the fan dance was just too damn funny i i, <laughs> yes. I, yes. I, I mean you know i'm explaining it to michelle it's like well that's that's ohura on the on the on yes. in one of the movies right which is it's like Trek five yeah. i just could not I, I just started laughing. It was just too hilarious so the last thing i got is can you please explain this reboot sequence was that all one mm-hmm. thing? I, I couldn't tell if it was a sequential, was he bouncing or is it memory? Just give oh. your best go at that because I have no clue what happened. So, so my take on it is that you know, he, he said he only likes to update his system when he's asleep because something might go wrong. So if he's going to do something like put in a technical manual for a Romulan bird of prey, he really needs to do it while he's asleep. And they're like, no, no, we have to go now. You have to, and I, I love Shax and uh, Billups, that great combination to take him along. Totally. Uh, so good. But then 
so he started the process it didn't finish and then the basically the os that runs his implant kept like trying to do updates and and he couldn't control it so they'd be in the middle of a mission it would conk out basically by restarting the computer and he would lose that memory completely. So he'd be doing something, the OS would conk out, reboot, just like you sit in front of your computer and it, you know, an OS update, oh, we have to restart. Too bad, we're going to restart anyway, even though you're, you're in the middle of work. Boom, and then you come back up and running some minutes later. I did it today. It took like 20 <laughs> minutes for my computer to reboot. It's like, all right, well, there's 20 minutes of my life that I'm not getting back while I wait for the computer to reboot. You just stare so, at it, hoping it'll go faster. You just stare at it, watching that little progress bar march along all too slow. So, yeah. Yeah. It also reminded me of like when my phone updates, like the OS will update, but not all the apps will. So the next time you try to do something of significance, you have to wait for the app to, to catch up as well. To, yes. And I'm like, yes. I just want to see cute boys on Instagram. What are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> well, because then uh, he even said at one point, one of Rutherford's uh, kind of throwaway lines was like, Klingon font update. Like, I don't yes. even need that. <laughs> you know? So he was just waiting for that to come in. So I, I thought uh, that, that was a nice bit. And I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned a moment ago paul and that was just like from the beginning of this it, this is where i love lower decks and i'll talk about the things that i don't love in lower decks but one of the things that i love in lower decks is when they can just put you in a recognizable situation in a recognizable world because of the visual language and not anything else so they're in this scary holding cell uh it's all these like jagged shapes around them all, all this it, it just sort of like intimidating looking stuff when they go into that uh well the party room we learn later but the courtroom and it visually mimics what we saw in star trek six mm-hmm. as the klingon courtroom you know but you don't need to say it you don't need to actually tell the audience this is where we are and this is what it looks like and this should remind you of this thing the visual language just speaks for itself like you're automatically transported there because it's already indicating as much as it needs to about the drama of the situation so okay so I, perfect I love that Perfect lead in here. Um, I was so thrown by that ending, right? With the party thing, you know, because I've watched that movie so many times, you know, they're pounding (laughs) on the gavel and things exploding and they're just that voice and you're talking. It's like, I I was tense. It's like, how is this going to end? And it's like, you know, it's a party. Right. Yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna end my call here by saying it's always great to party with you guys, Ashley. It's it's a pleasure meeting you. Uh, hope Lovely this experience, the, the first Paul experience, was okay. You know, I would I would give it a eleven out of ten. Oh, nice. Excellent. Eleven out of ten, Pauls. Good. Cheers to what Cheers. you're having. So yeah, gin and tonic, John, just for you. Oh, oh classic. Bravo, bravo. Nice. All right. Take care, Paul. We will see you again soon. I hope. Oh yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Ashley, we've got a couple of people I want to say standing by, and then we will uh, we will very quickly do a little bit of business here. Let's do it. And then we will talk to them. So our business, of course, talking about teeny tiny starships. Teeny you get us started, but starships. I'm going to do a little show and tell. I'm going to do a little comparison tonight. Uh, we'll be talking about a teeny tiny. Do it, because mine is really teeny tiny, and these okay. are, of course, dope amazing perfect beautiful sweet baby angel eagle moss ships that are officially licensed by cbs studios they are the official star trek discovery starships which are bigger and badder than my teeny tiny spaceship and the collection is (laughs) 
only available from Eagle Moss Hero Collectors. We say it, we love it. That's why we talk about it every week. And this is a really special collection. It features brand new ship concepts, different than this little enterprise and designs from both seasons of Star Trek Discovery. It's going to include a bunch of the even cooler, even newer designs from season three when that comes around the corner. And each of them has gone through extensive reference study and been reproduced under the supervision of Star Trek expert and possible relative of mine, Ben Robinson, for accuracy and detail. We're going to get to the bottom of that one day. I, I swear Soon, to you. Soon, yeah. I swear. I'll call so, him. <laughs> the first thing that you may notice upon receiving your first ship, the USS Baran in CC-1422, is the larger size. It is just over nine inches from the front of the saucer to the tip of its quad-style nacelles. Now, all the ships in this collection are in that larger scale. They're made of die-cast metal and ABS materials, hand-painted with, with care and love and reference to the actual CG models used in production. Each ship also comes with a display base, don't break it, plus a collector's magazine featuring behind-the-scenes info, original design sketches, and a breakdown of technology on board. Now, uh, actually, I, I, I promised I was going to show here a little uh, show-and-tell comparison. Visual so, eight. Yeah, here's my teeny tiny Klingon <laughs> uh, late, later period Klingon bird yes. of prey. There we go. All right, but then here is the Shinjo. Oh, here it we go. looks like it could murderize the bird. Yes, in right. Its sleep. So you can tell it is so. It is that much bigger. How much bigger? It is that much bigger. That yeah. much, right? We're good at so, math here. But so good. Yes. If you're better at us than math and you want to give us the actual numbers to talk about i would recommend starting your collection with the baron remember we just talked about it it's destroyed by captain Lorca in the opening scenes of star trek discovery you know you know and it is available to subscribers through this special mission log live offer for only 9.95 that's less than a 10 dollar bill and it comes with free shipping all you have to do is go to herocollector.com slash mission log and sign up with a promo code mission at checkout they have a bunch of cool additional models including the reimagined even more modern modern klingon bird of prey the discovery of course and the corolla you can get your hands on all of those and so many more and after that they're going to ship monthly at an exclusive 20 percent discount off the standard retail price with continued free shipping amazing exactly and the longer you stay subscribed you are entitled to free gifts worth over a hundred bucks you could cancel your subscription at any time but why would you because you're getting a hundred bucks worth of free stuff so full details can be found at herocollector.com slash mission log if you would like to purchase your favorite ships individually you could do that you could sure you could go to shop.eaglemoss.com or maybe even your local comic book shop you'd be paying the regular price about 54.95 each but, but why do that? The Baran exclusively to Mission Log listeners for $9.95 and then your subscription at 20% off. That's what you want. I know that's what you want. So, so get that. Hey, uh, we have John standing by uh, really quickly here, though. I wanted to uh, just read a couple of comments that you got. I love this from Alex in the chat. He says, I find the opening credits the ultimate combination of a spoof of Trek and love letter. And you are so right, because again, that, that's one of those things that I love about the show when it really hits for me, is that you're using the visual joke just to, to put it out there as showing, not telling. Mm -hmm. And that opening credits with the sweeping grand music, great soundtrack. Um, but you just you sit there and you watch it. And if you weren't paying attention, you just go like, sure, space scenes, spaceships, action adventure show done in a cartoon style. 
oh, but wait, this is telling us everything <laughs> we need to know about how wrong this is. I so, think that goes yeah. to the same like ethos of you were talking about the design of the prison or seeing all of the mm-hmm. Vasquez rocks is, 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 on the Gordon <laughs> so planet. Like, like it's familiar enough without letting yeah. you know too much. And then when the punchline hits, I think that's where the most brilliant comedy comes from, as opposed to John's uh, much-hated lists. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yes, yes, yes. I I got a couple of those in here. But hey, before we get to that, let us welcome uh, back to the show, John Arminio. John, how are you doing tonight? Welcome Um, back. uh, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me again. I feel very privileged to be able to talk to you once more. Uh, by the way, I, I, of course, you're always welcome. And I didn't mention last week that you are a part, and correct me here, part of creator of producer of uh, Film 89 uh, podcast. What, what is your role there? I am a, I am not a creator, but I am a frequent co-host uh, of, of Film 89. Um, these wonderful uh, group of gentlemen out of Wales and one from Australia uh, started a podcast a couple years ago and i have had the privilege of joining them several times and one of my favorite um episodes that i've done was we did uh the motion picture um around the time of the the 40th anniversary and excuse me I, while i download this yeah, thank you um and and john you and i have corresponded a bit about this but i just yes. wanted to say publicly that i would not have been able to do that i would not have had the language uh with which to express my Trek love without mission log. Oh. Uh, so I owe um, one of the things that I'm most proud with, uh, most proud of to um, being a listen to a listener of your show. So I am deeply grateful for that. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And I, uh, the most recent episode of your show that I listened to, you were not on. I listened to the epic, like three hour long back to the future uh, coverage. That was great. Uh, But yes, the, uh, the TMP episode is lovely. So Ashley, when you have a chance, not right now, not right now, don't start listening to it right now. I mean, I could, I mean, we'll be (laughs) done in like 20 minutes. There's 50 plus episodes though. So I've got a new quarantine binge. (laughs) (laughs) And, and if I, and, I just, I would also like to plug, I'm sorry, but um, I also oh, did, um, I've been recently doing a series of James Bond podcasts for a group called uh, The Pink Smoke. Uh, they're all nice. way smarter than me, experts in a file, so it's, it's an honor to be part of that group too. So uh, all praise and glory to The Pink Smoke. Wait, can I just ask, who's your favorite Bond actor? Um, I'm going to judge you, so make the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> I, the... The the bond, uh, I think Sean Connery is the best bond, mm-hmm. but the bond I would most want to like have dinner with or have cocktails with is Roger Moore. Yeah, Ooh, interesting. There interesting. we go. <laughs> yeah. It's so pure... John, you're a, you're a Moore fan. <laughs> oh yeah, big, yeah. Oh, I, both both Johns. Uh, but sorry for jumping in. But yeah, sorry. big 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 fan of the Raj. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, Raj. There's, <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's there's this sense of, of comfort and joy that Roger Moore brings to the role that I think it makes him unique in the franchise. Well, thank yeah. you, everyone, for uh, allowing us James Bond corner. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Bond talk. Yeah. Uh, so, what's on your mind tonight, John? About Lower Decks? Um, I was just such a fan of how uh, there were a little too many lists in this episode of references <laughs> that how these characters know all those names. Yes. Um, but I love that the sort of synchronicity of the theme of communication 
in this episode. So not only between uh, the lower decks and the senior officers, how the lack of communication um, in you know every subplot made everybody's lives more difficult, but the lack of communication between the uh, the aliens throwing a party and the Starfleet officers they kidnapped. Like everybody had these assumptions going into to their encounter that they weren't willing to listen to what the other people were putting forth. That see, that is an excellent uh, morals meetings messages theme here, and and I. I, I kind of wondered where it was leaving us, uh, especially because we had that final scene of the captain just saying, like, nope, you don't need to know everything. Get out. Yeah. Of course, it, it's a comedy. You're, you're going to land on a comedic note like that. Um, but, yeah, the, the whole episode is proving the point that you have to have clear communication no matter what. You absolutely. By the way, I, I hate to get off on this tangent. We will come back to that immediately. I want your thoughts. I have to read this. Alan in the chat says, "Best Bond is a photo of Sean Connery signed by Roger Moore." <laughs> That's a Simpsons joke. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Yes. So, uh, but and then Brian says, "Just when I think I can't like Ashley Moore, she turns out to be a Bond fan." So, yeah, well, I didn't say who my favorite Bond was, so you might answer. <laughs> Just keep that as a mystery there from you go. now on. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. So, so thoughts. Uh, I guess that on morals, meetings, communication is a theme here. I thought was excellent. Um, what, and what it's else? very, it's very Star Trekian because we sort of take for granted after TOS and after Enterprise that we have the universal translator, and that when we have episodes where we are doing first contact or we encounter like a subspecies that we're not familiar with, that's when it really breaks down. But to have the idea of a federation, like everyone literally has to be on the same page, except when section 31 is involved or except when this happens or except when a bad moral shows up. So I think as a, as a through line, it's very smart and it fits in that sort of lower decks vibe of we're going to get to the heart of this and we're going to dress it up with jokes. Yeah. And I think it's um, a credit to the main characters uh, that they managed to save the day because they do not have a good captain. Um, (laughs) so, so we got like a senior officer type speech at the end of this episode, but from Boimler. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was a real great piece of character development that Boimler is somebody who we've seen sort of be very timid and not speak up, take this opportunity to give a very almost Kirk like speech about the moral of the episode at the end. And I, I really enjoyed that. It's fascinating that you bring up like the fact that they don't have a great captain because they I think they also have a very lackluster like first uh first officer yeah. as well like Shax is maybe the most capable leader that they have in terms of bridge crew and he's definitely an acquired taste. <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask you both that. I mean, I I agree with you. I think Freeman I, look, we're we're eight episodes into uh, a ten episode run to be followed by another ten, mm-hmm. you know, after the first of the year. Um, I, I wonder, first of all, if Freeman will get her day finally. Will will we get to see her grow and be a little more of the Starfleet captain we've come to expect? So that's that's one question. But I also wonder, you know, uh, are the people around her 
better chosen. So Shax is awesome. I think Tiana is very good. And again, we're only getting small doses, but she's great when we're getting her. I would even say like Ransom, Ransom is played like, you know, this, uh, you know, chisel chend idiot, but (laughs) he had his moment though. And he had his moment with Mariner to actually, yeah, he might've been a little too, Oh, I don't know, too excited ethical? to go into battle. Too ethical. You know, <laughs> but, too excited, but but he showed his ethics in that moment. That's so, fair. When he heroes up, he he heroes up pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wonder if, you know, Freeman's, uh, part of Freeman's strength is that the people around her are really good. And that, mm-hmm. that is one sign of a good leader. But what we have not seen is Freeman truly be the the type of leader who has to make the big decisions like a Kirk or Picard or Cisco or somebody. And and I get it. This is a comedy. So we're not necessarily expecting the same thing. And but, she's at the end of the equation where we're making jokes at her expense as opposed to at the right. expense of the Lower Decks crew members. Right, right. Now, last week, uh, do you think that we got a better captain out of our, our guest captain? Um, you know... I don't know if any of the captains we've seen have been particularly capable compared mm-hmm. to who we're used to seeing leading these shows. And I think that's part of the secret sauce that makes Lower Decks right is like, oh, we do second contact. Oh, we're the supply ship. Like, not everybody sure. can be a Kirk, a Picard, a Cisco, a Janeway, I guess even as Giorgio, um, in order, you know, in order for this to function, like not everyone can be like, quote unquote, an alpha. You need some people who are going to be doing like the mid-range day-to-day boring stuff who uh, hopefully at a moment of crisis, which one assumes with the structure of television, we're going to get in episode 10, we're going to get to see Mm. everybody get their day. And we'll see Freeman like kicking butt and taking names. And Mm. and I think we do see this sort of architecture of great leadership in a lot of our main characters it's just they're all sort of at this point still crippled by their various insecurities like and i, I think certainly mariner if she could just get over her like, fear of success could certainly be a captain someday if, if she would ever want to be yeah yeah the, the idea that she self-sabotages is, is I, I think one of the more interesting character threads to follow here and just see well where where is she actually going to land and that's yep. why i like that we had a character uh last week in, in our guest captain i apologize and i'm forgetting the name somebody will correct me because that how happens. dare you I, I know right um this but, is but, memory alpha <laughs> but but to actually call her out and say, what is wrong with you? And meanwhile, we're seeing her be a captain to her crew and just call out Mariner saying like, I I see your behavior. I see exactly what you're doing. I know that you're better than this. You're more capable. When are you going to challenge yourself? When will you do better? I mean, she's laying it all out there very quickly and very easily for, of course, they had that friendship before to help inform Mm -hmm. that. Um, But I, I, I don't think that same speech can come from Freeman because Freeman is her mother. So immediately there's a whole personal layer that you, you have to dispense with, but it could come from somebody else on the ship. That's why I'm interested to see if there is uh, more to be mined out of the relationship between Mariner and Ransom. Um, Because it seems like they can actually take each other to task. I'm also so. interested in whether or not Admiral Dad is going to be coming back before yeah, the Yeah, so. right. 
right? Lamar, come on, we love yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, and that's so weird. Like, all these great guest voices, and we get just a tiny, tiny bit of them. Phil Lamar, Maurice Lamarche last week. Come on. Yeah, you mentioned Futurama earlier. We we could definitely see some uh, yes. great fe- more Futurama <laughs> cast members joining in. I want Billy dance. West. I want yeah. John DiMaggio. <laughs> I want Katie Siegel. Let's just get everybody. <laughs> yeah. Please get them all. Yeah. Uh, John, any other thoughts tonight on uh, the episode? Um, I, I just love seeing or hearing John Delancey's voice as Q. That was such a delight. I, and I know it's another sort of like reference uh, gauntlet that we go through with, with him in there, but I, I can't help it. I, I love John Delancey and anytime he gets to play Q, I'm, I'm delighted. Do you think I, he'll come back? To me, why do Q and not make him a main antagonist, especially in this world with these rules? Yeah, yeah, you can do so many more outlandish things with Q in an animated setting because yet he has infinite powers and now you can just draw anything. He could go anywhere and fight anybody or put the crew through all sorts of eel trials if, if he wants to. And I think it, it, would be, it would be fantastic just to see him be a new antagonist because i i just found him to be much more like trillane in this episode yes. than like which uh-huh. obviously like there's a direct line between those two they are like cousins of each other but the, i just want to ask one more thing about q as like the non-q fan in the room uh were we happy that this was the costume they put him in <laughs> i think it's it's his most iconic look yeah <laughs> because if he just showed up in a starfleet uniform i think it might be we wouldn't recognize him without hearing that voice. And so, but I just think seeing him in those judges robes, it's it's immediately OQ. Yeah. (laughs) I'll tell you what I liked about the Q gag. I mean, yeah, they, just by virtue of the fact of introducing Q, like, oh, it was like that uh, every time that Q shows up and you're sort of just replaying a next gen joke. And I was like, all right, if this is as far as it's going to go, they could have done better. Where I like that they did better is when they actually move the crew into that weird like chessboard with cards I and a that. soccer ball and like because then then the joke wasn't just Q showed up the joke is like nothing he does makes any damn sense <laughs> you yeah. know so at least you're taking it that one extra step and pushing the joke a little further instead of just basically waving a picture of Q in front of you and say, hey, remember this guy? No, we're actually, <laughs> you know, we're actually... Honestly, that would be super funny. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we're getting to that, you know. Um, but but you're actually making a point about the types of stories he's in. So that's, you know, I, I was glad they went that far. And I was glad to see the little coda at the end with them just walking by like, no, we're, we're not going to play this. We yeah. can't. We're, we're exhausted. Not I didn't now. know that you could just do that. Like Picard yeah. could have just been like, nah, girl, I don't have time for this. Didn't he try at some point though? I want to I'm say sure. that I'm so Picard sure. had tried to, uh, to stop him and just Q wasn't having it. So yeah. Cisco yeah. did punch Q. So satisfying from the bottom of my heart. I have that gift saved on my phone. 
Seriously, do you use that often? Do you just, uh, you know, drop it into conversation? You know, I'm a very small, I'm like a small <laughs> lady. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, Cisco is in a lot of ways, he could be my spirit animal because Avery Brooks gave him such an emotional dynamic performance. So I would say more than you might think, John. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. I'm glad to hear it. I'll try to work it in the next time we're texting. <laughs> okay. Please, please do. Hey, how's it going? Punch. <laughs> um, that's how it's going, John. <laughs> you, are you excited to come on the show tonight? No. <laughs> hey, John, we got one more caller standing by. Sure. So uh, I'll ask if you've got anything else to leave us with tonight and, uh, and then we'll say goodnight. Uh, I'm, I'm good, but thank you so much for having me and I look forward to next week. Absolutely. We'll do it again. Back. Yes. All right. Thank cheers, you. sir. Take care. Um, yeah, just uh, people definitely uh, echoing your sentiments here. Alan saying Cisco just decked him, and David <laughs> yeah. Cisco punch Q, and he never came back. <laughs> like, Who knew? That's all it took to get rid of. Uh, he punched rid of Q. right through John Delancey's contract. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, and, and Patrick said, yeah, the word uh, or the phrase in the show was "We are done with random stuff today." So yes. that was. That, that was the line. I need that's the t-shirt of this episode that's what I need on a t-shirt <laughs> yes yes but there there are a lot of funny like things that aren't even necessarily Star Trek but I love that Boimler at the very beginning he has that line like I have a pottery class at 0900 which sounds so perfectly Boimler and perfectly but perfectly Star Trek as well because like the Enterprise was always this place that just had everything all the time I wanted to, to enrich ask, yourself do we think it's is it like human is it earth pottery is this bajoran pottery is this a i need i need Ooh. to know yeah like, i yeah. need to know <laughs> is I, I, it, I would um, think that it would be multi- erotic pottery like what's be. going on <laughs> make your own horgon yeah yeah oh yeah. I, I would i would take that glass <laughs> oh who wouldn't yeah no, so I, I love that, that they have stuff like that. And then one of my other favorite bits was uh, the Andorian uh, when they're on their way in that little bird of prey doing that they're scanning bit. When oh, yes. Tendi's, Tendi's trying to reveal the truth about her being the cleaner they're skinny. The, the hunkiest Andorian we've ever seen, too. He really very was pretty ripped. built. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Had a very commanding presence. Yeah. And I just, I, I love the constant interruption. It was awesome. I, I also love the send them a message gag. Because she was right. Mariner she was, was 100% absolutely right. right. That's what you did. It's like the warning shot across the bow. That was so funny. Yes, yes. Hey, uh... Yeah, and Eddie says pottery class is something Data would do. Yes, yes, yes. you're probably right. And yeah. David says USS Community College. It seemed that way. <laughs> no shame, Community College. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, so one last call. We have uh, Lou here to uh, to wrap us up. Let's do uh, it. How you doing tonight, Lou? What's up? Are you there? We need to unmute you. There you go. Hi, we John. Have- Hi, Ashley. Hi, Hi there. Uh, sorry. We had some visual problems today, so I'm going to try to squeeze in two episodes worth of comments in three minutes. Okay. Okay. Um, first of all, last week, we, uh, I know Ashley and I recognized the, uh, the reference to Saul Rubicek, Heck one of my yes. favorite characters. I don't know why. Um, I, I was going to tell John that um, we, uh, I, I did a GoFundMe to get you a middle name. We only were able to get one letter, so we just raised enough for an initial investment. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Nice. 
Okay. And I'm 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 still uh, I'm still suffering the uh, the aftershock from the Emmy winners the Emmy uh, awards when Canada took over the uh, the galaxy. Uh, is, is it just me or is the horn of Candor shaped like a shofar? And I say that just because today uh, uh, today being uh, Yom Kippur, I'm 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 expecting somebody to just go. Well, there's there's like fifteen other uh, different uh, different sounds, but I think you know what that means. Uh, I understood the, uh, the 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 comment on Earth. It's only filled with vineyards, like a Picard reference. Would the soul food restaurant be a, a Joseph Cisco reference? Maybe. Yeah. He yeah. has a Creole restaurant, yeah. and they say comfort food, which is like not technically correct. It's not also technically incorrect. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, look, Creole is very comforting to me. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. But as technically, yeah. Before I walked into a place that was a Southern comfort food place, it would not necessarily be Creole. Yeah, that's so. my um actually of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well placed. I, the last time I was served Southern comfort, it was not. It had nothing to do with food. But oh um, yeah, that, that is another thing. Yep, yep. Uh, have you mentioned Samantha Rutherford? And what am I supposed to make of that? I'm sorry. What about Rutherford? His first, oh God, do I have to take it off the speakerphone? Samantha? Yes. Like Samantha with an N? And I, yes. I, I don't even have a, a joke for that. I'm, I'm, what are we supposed to say about that? Uh, that's his name. Uh, I I think that's I, thing and maybe it. that's supposed to imply that he was assigned female at birth. And if that's the case, I'm, I think that's great. Here um, uh, another what what I'm interpreting as a as a local joke cover R six um, because I guess with uh, in 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 the military that's their that's their that's their backside their behind or their flank or whatever but of course the the six also refers to Toronto so I'm thinking you better send troops back to Canada. Oh, this is not going well at all. What about the? Um, See, this is the this is what happens when you don't uh, when you don't have the visual. Uh, did you notice that the uh, the Q Q uh, loved loved the John Delancey um, <coughs> loved the John Delancey um, guest uh, guest appearance? The chess versus cards, and some of the cards had hockey sticks. I saw that. Mm -hmm. I, I and soccer, and I didn't know what to make of that. Um. I also, uh, oh, from, from last time, I wanted to mention Rams, Rams, Ransom and Ramsey would make a great couple, if only because they, they would run into each other at alphabetical order. I thought that that was a good, uh, a good thing. And um, oh, there's, there's too, too many comments, and we don't, have enough, uh, we don't have enough time. I don't understand the reference to evasive maneuver 88 or 84, and I never know what's, a, um, what's, what's an Easter egg and, 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 and what's just laying an egg. Yeah, I mean, the, those weren't referencing anything in particular. It's just like it, it, it is left to your imagination that whatever Boimler says is going to be completely the wrong thing in that moment. As a rule of thumb. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So, it, okay. It, yeah, is that not like Order 66? No. And, and the other weird thing is uh, when they were talking about the neutral zone, I don't know why they didn't attack on a Monday or Tuesday if the guards are only there on the weekends. Or did I miss something there as well? If the guards are there on the weekends, why not attack during the during the weekdays? Uh, 
God, I, I, I miss that. Maybe, maybe they're on the same, uh, maybe they're on the same rotation and no one works there on the weekdays either. Maybe, I don't know. maybe it's the relief crew. Maybe they have yeah. like a bigger staff or something. Yeah. Well, what, uh, what, what I guess the, uh, I guess the underlying theme was, uh, that we need clarity of communications at all times, except when it is absolutely inconvenient. And, um, I, I don't know if that's going to be a life lesson going forward because it's, it seemed that they, they took a giant step forward and they said, ah, maybe let's walk that back. So what do you guys think uh, moving forward? Uh, I, I mean, look, I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, convenience or uh, more like the ability to get the job done. Like they, they can't actually have a functioning starship if you're spending time on telling everybody every single detail. But that said, there was an interesting little detail in the show where Boimler says that he's read everybody's logs. Mm-hmm. So he's up to speed on what mm-hmm. the senior staff are doing. So that information is out there. It's free for people to read, but I can understand why Starfleet would, uh, would keep at least some level of, uh, of secrecy on missions that require it. I think it also speaks to his level of neurosis that he's reading them rather than (laughs) listening to them because most people seem to be recording them so that means they are dictated and then Mm -hmm. uh and then he's reading like that's a whole other level of trying to ingest as much information as possible yes yes all right lou we're we're over our time by by about four minutes that's fine all right okay hopefully i'll see i'll talk to you a little earlier next week all right take care of yourself Bye. bye All right, Ashley, that's, uh, that's it for us. Ooh, and we made then, it. Uh, we made it, yes. And we get to do this a couple more times and maybe some special bonus material. Mm, pay attention, everybody, because there could be some announcements coming soon. All right, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by the incomparable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but there's Women of War, Priority One, The Trek Files, your daily Star Trek news, and Shabam! Shabam! If you would like to support <laughs> Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.